Thank you, Lord. You are King. You are Lord. You are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. And I thank you, Lord. We give you that glory today. We lift up the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that you're in control. You're in control. You're in control. You're in control of our lives. So as we live this life for you, your will will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Father, for this responsibility and this honor. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Well, why don't you greet one another? Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody. Apparently, it's not good to see me. That's okay. No worries. No worries. I have big shoulders. I can make it. I can do it. It's just good to see you. That's all that matters to me. It's good to be. Well, hey, I've got a very exciting announcement this morning. Um, over the last, since 2017, since uh, January, February of 2017, uh, the Lord gave us a, a, a directive. He gave us, a, as a church, he gave us a, a call, uh, a plan. And we've been working that plan from 2017. Our goal is to, by uh, 2027, to have a network of 24 churches, to have a, uh, um, a organization that oversees the churches, but also fosters and, and builds up those churches. You know, it's, it's one thing to be here on a Sunday morning, and yes, this is, this is our body of Christ. You know, this is our fellowship here. But there is a, the bigger plan that God has for the world, but also for us. And as we've been walking this out, so far now we have four churches in the St. Croix River Valley. We have uh, Grandy, the, uh, the River Valley Christian Church Grandy in Grandy, Minnesota. We have the church in St. Croix Falls, uh, River Valley Christian, or RVFM, uh, Lighthouse in St. Croix Falls. We have River Valley Fellowship of Ministries, Prescott, uh, engaged church down in Prescott, Wisconsin, and then we have this church here. And then coming up this fall, as the Lord opens those doors, and He's opening doors. I can't give you the latest, uh, the latest uh, update and the latest excitement, but but uh, this fall, the church in in New Richmond is going to be starting up, and uh, there's they're well into the plans of that. And Pastor John and Julie are are. Uh, heading that up. They're the, the church planters and, and, and lead pastors of that, and they're building up their team. And that's, you know, that's really the, the, the purpose behind RVFM is, is training up the saints to do the work of the ministry. You know, it's not my job to do the work of the ministry. It's my job to train you to do the work of the ministry, and we're working on that. We're, we're building that up. And then uh, also probably this fall or early winter, uh, River Valley Fellowship of Ministries St. Paul is going to be good. And uh, Reverend Vernon Mary Norton are here with us this morning, and you can greet them after the service. They're, they're the, the lead of that church plant over there. There's, there's exciting news happening there too, which I can't share with you yet. It is close. I know, I keep teasing. I'm sorry. I, but, you know, it's, there's, there's stuff happening all the time, and sometimes we have to wait till it's verified, you know, till it's, you know, it's happening, but we need to have it verified. Um, nothing worse than fake news, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> so moving forward, um, within that, training up the saints to do the work of the ministry, we, we really need to train people 
how to do what they're doing because, you know, people say, well, how could I possibly be a part of a church plan? How could I possibly um, go out and do, start something new? Well, it takes training. You know, I've been going through training since 2017. Pastor John Moe has been going through training. God's been preparing us. Pastor, uh, Reverend Vern is, has been, uh, God's been training him. He's been a part of these DCPI trainings. On Wednesday night, now we have 50 people signed up and are going through the DCPI training on, on how to plant a church. And it's just, it's exciting to hear what God's doing. And, and uh, just, a, you know, as another uh, uh, praise report, there's a young man from Kokato, Minnesota, Minnesota, who's been hooked up with us and is, is uh, strongly uh, seeking God as far as about being a, a part of RVFM. And he has a, a heart to plant a church in the St. Croix Valley. So, I mean, God's bringing people to us to be able to do the work that he's called us to do. He supplies, he brings. But with that, then we have a responsibility to train. And so one of the things that we've, we've noticed, and, and we've talked about it for a number of months, if not even a couple of years, is that one of the things that we need to have in our, in our organization is a school or a training program to train people in the hands-on kind of stuff. Hands-on, what, what really happens? Now we have the, a, a wonderful relationship with Karis Bible School, uh, Karis Bible Institute, and uh, we've have this year, I think we have five or six, uh, those the youth who are gonna be going to Karis this year, could you stand? Or are you all working somewhere in the ministry? Yeah, they're all out somewhere. Okay, ah, one, there we go, yay! There are, there's another one back there behind the camera, yay! There's another one behind the camera. All right. We got, we got, so you can see we have young people who are starting up, and then we have a number of second year students who are finishing up. And uh, we'll, you know, we could cheer for you, but let's just do it real quick. Yay! No, I'm just <laughs> Get back to work. All right. Uh, but Karis is a phenomenal Bible school, Bible uh, training center. And they, that's the, you know, they always say their, their curriculum, their, their textbook is the Bible. And they're, they're learning and learning the Word of God. But it's also important to, to, to train in the practical stuff, the, the, the stuff that happens every day. You know, it's one thing to, to have the Word of the Lord in a situation, and that's important, obviously. But you also have to know how to turn the lights on. You know, you also have to know how to, how to do the work, the, the physical work. And so one of the things that we've been praying about and we've been talking about and now we're actually beginning to put into motion is a training, a, a, a ministry training uh, school, ministry training center. And it's starting this fall. And so I want to introduce to you the, the, uh, the uh, administrators, the directors of that Bible school, Bible Training Center, uh, Reverend, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm going to get you there, I'm going to, sorry, Brad and Jean Lawrence, uh, give a big warm welcome. Brad and Jean Lawrence, why don't you guys come on up? As I always say after I forget somebody's name, it's because I love you guys and uh, you're, you're a part of the family. Uh, in the moment, I have trouble remembering names. But then I just turned off their microphone. So Gene is going to share about what God's doing in way more, way more detail and much better than I ever could. Good morning. How are you all this morning? Good. All right, so are we ready with the PowerPoint? All right, so you can see that this is going to be called RVFM Ministry Training Center. 
building the kingdom of God together. And isn't that what we want to do? We're better together than apart, right? Amen. And so Pastor John talked about um, RVFM and what it stands for, and it's the organization um, for the 24 churches that will eventually be, the ones we already have now, and for the ministers and ministries that will be a part of that. And so how many know it's good to always have a vision? Those of you that have been at DCPI, we talked about vision. God gives us the vision. So let's look at the vision for this training center. And so up above there, you can see the um, statement that is taken actually from RVFM Vision. And it says, training and equipping men and women in the word of God to be effective leaders who, with godly character and in the power of the Holy Spirit, will transform nations for the glory of God. What an awesome statement, right? Awesome vision. So part of the vision, as even Pastor John was talking about, is to train and equip people for the ministry. And how many of you know that it's always beneficial to be trained and equipped for whatever we do in life? So um, even in the natural, on your job, and this may not always be true, but on your job, you usually have to go through some sort of training, right? And they equip you and train you for that job. And sometimes even that training, even as Pastor John was talking about, uh, can continue, even on your natural job. And, but if you have not been trained for a job, have you ever found that, that it's pretty difficult to do that job? Or even if they trained you a little bit, sometimes it can cause stress, it can cause fear. And how many know it feels better when you've been trained for a job, right? So, um, and sometimes, have you ever come into that where you learn as you go? <laughs> That's not fun either. All right, so even in the kingdom of God, God wants us to be trained and equipped for our job, for assignment that he has for us. How many of you know if you're born again, you have a job, you have an assignment that God has for you, a purpose for your life? And uh, even over in Ephesians 4.12, it talks about the equipping of the saints. How many of you are saints? You're born again. Talking about the equipping of the saints for the work, everybody say work, of the ministry. And so, do you know how you spell ministry? W-O-R-K. Ministry is work. You ever found that out? <laughs> and so we all have a job. We all have an assignment that God has for us to do. And sometimes it even can be more than one. Yes. <laughs> sometimes you can wear many hats in the ministry. But Part of the reason that we also want to do this ministry training is so that we are all on the same page. And so let's look at this plan that we have for the training center. What does the training center look like? So we're going to first look at the school or training center. And this is going to be a one-year training center or a third year to a two-year Bible school. So like Pastor John was talking about, for example, those of you that have gone through Karis, you've done your two years, this, this can be a third year for you where you can start training in a particular area that you're interested in. So you can see up there we have different, um, we're calling them tracks or areas, and um, that will be available for you to be trained in. And when we get to the courses part, um, this will we'll be explaining it a little bit more, what it's all about. But anyway, the tracks so far 
are the pastor, worship ministry, audio, and I think visual is also included in there, children's youth ministry, missions, and ministry of helps. And just an example of the ministry of helps is like, uh, you know, usher greeter, the fellowship, and things like that. Okay, so um, who can attend this ministry uh, training center? You know, who are the students? So it's for ages 18 years and older. And right now, that is what we're looking at. And in talking with Pastor John, how many know things can change? <laughs> and so there may be exceptions to the 18-year-old. Um, and as we go on, and the thing that we've talked about quite often is that we've never done this before. <laughs> this is the first time we were doing this, and so there could be and will be probably some changes. But right now, that's what we're looking at. We're looking at for ages 18 years and older. It's also for those who attend one of the RVFM churches. And you heard Pastor John talk about that this morning. You know, it's the one in Prescott, the one in Grandy, the one here, um, the one in St. Croix Falls, and then the one in Richmond, the one in East St. Paul, and then the rest of the churches. So it's for those people that attend one of those churches. Um, so let's look at how will all of this work, and we're just going to look at a schedule that we have. So we're planning on meeting on Thursday nights in person, and we're planning on starting September 30th and ending May 19th, so it would be every Thursday during those times. Each class is going to be 50 minutes in length. We're going to go from 6.30 to 7.20, take a break, and then from 7.30 to 8.20. So how that breaks down is each track would have the potential for two classes each of those nights. So let's say that the pastor's track, you know, they would go during that time, the worship track, all those other tracks. So they're going to have that time frame to do their teaching. And then um, I'm just going to kind of go through a tentative schedule for the year. Just briefly, we're going to look at it. So I said we're going to start in September, September 30th, and then we go strong all the way until Thanksgiving. Then Thanksgiving we have off, then we start up again in December, and then December 23rd, the 30th, and the 6th, we'd have off for Christmas break. Everybody said, yay! <laughs> and then we start up again the 13th of January, and we go all the way until April 14th, where we'll have a break again. It'll be a spring break. And then we go all the way until May 19th. On May 22nd, we want to have a celebration, I guess we'll call it, where we want to honor um, everyone that has gone through um, the training center. How many know that it's good to celebrate your victories? Yeah. Yes. And so we want to honor, we want to celebrate you that have gone through that. All right. So then, Brad... Brad's going to come up, and he's going to talk about the courses. And these are the courses that the instructors, I've heard from a lot of them, um, that they're planning on teaching. There could be more uh, courses. But anyway, he's going to tell you about those. Good morning, good morning. Today's a good day, amen? <laughs> amen. So I'm going to give just a brief description of the courses that we have. And these are some of these are possible courses. And I know some of these have, are pretty well set in stone from the instructors, but it'll give you a general idea of what's going to be taught. So the first one that should be up there is going to be the pastoral ministry. 
And again, it's just getting the hands-on things that you made. When I went to Rama, you, you know, your first year you went, you had your general courses and you, you know, being taught in the Word of God. Your second year you, you specialize, say for example, I specialize in the, in the pastoral training and then you had some general things in there. And so you, you pretty much knew what the role of the pastor was in the church and some of the do's and some of the don'ts. But I know when I first started pastoring, I had taken over a church and when I had taken over that church and stepped into it, right away I knew there was things that I wish I would have known before I stepped in there or that I should have known before I stepped in there. And it would have saved me walking through the hard knock experiences that I probably could have avoided if I would have had some of the training that's going to be offered here. And so not only saying the things that you, that you should be doing, that you can be doing, but also you'd be hearing the things not to do. And that's just as valuable to, uh, to stepping in. So, so you come out of two years of school and then you, you go through this training. We're gonna be, you're going to be more equipped to step into these leadership roles because that's what this, you're training for is to be in these leadership roles, whether it's a pastoral, whether it's worship, whether it's um, the, the sound and the audio, uh, the children's ministry, the, the youth ministry, and so you're going to get that hands-on training. So the pastoral ministry, some of the things that we're looking at, we're looking at finances. It takes money to run a church, and you want to run the church properly. There's, there's things, there's do's and, and don'ts as far as finances go. We're going to be looking in the area of family life. How many know you, you don't want to lose your spouse or your kids along the way? Amen? And so you want, to have a, you want to have a good balance there. Leadership principles. There's so many different areas of, and I know the other tracks are going to be, they have leadership in there as far as their tracks go also. But you go into leadership. There's levels of leadership. There's, there's stress that's involved in leadership. How many know leadership is not glamorous? <laughs> leadership is work. Leadership is people. Leader, so, so having some understandings about the levels of leadership, knowing, for example, how to deal with, with uh, difficult people, conflict resolution, uh, dealing with, with stress, all those things. And then also spiritual guidance. We could say counseling. But as a pastor, most of us pastors were not trained counselors. And so we could give insight into the Word of God and direct you into the Word of God. But when it comes, if, if, you know, some things go beyond just a problem. They can go deeper, amen? And so there will be trained people that can come in and address those issues and, and minister along those lines. Even in the, uh, if you're thinking about being an associate pastor in one of these churches, I'd say you, you, should, you need to go through the pastor track. Because then there's going to be addressing the associate pastor, the associate pastor's responsibility, the, the, the relationship between the pastor and the associate pastor. And so you want, to, you want to be doing that. Pastoral visits, hospital visitations, care, care facility visitations, maybe home visitations. You go into a hospital and you want to know their guidelines. You want to know some do's and don'ts of going in there and, you know, and, and how to approach that. Church administration. 
Not all pastors are administrators, <laughs> amen. And so, we, you, but, you, but you need to know how your church works and functions, even in the area of finances. You may not be a numbers person. I know when I had pastored, it was like, just tell me how much money we have <laughs> and tell me where the money's going. You know that, but there's a lot of legal things. There's a lot of other things involved, especially administration. You, want, you don't want your church to be sloppy. You want it to be run, you want it to be an, an organized church, Amen. And then also, you have how to conduct weddings and funerals. And, you know, it's not just the actual service. And not, you know, you just don't do a canned funeral or a canned wedding. You know, it's going to be, you know, the, and all the dynamics that's involved. You know, for example, a funeral or a celebration of life service. What happens when, when someone, you know, is, there's a tragic, you know, a tragedy in the family, a tragic death. Or, you know, what to do and how to minister beforehand and, and minister afterwards. Other things to be a board, choosing your board, who's on your board, what kind of a board do you have, knowing your articles and your bylaws and understanding. So there's just a wide variety that can be, can be done in a, in a pastoral ministry. And you're going to be taught by RVFM pastors and RVFM ministers and, and other qualified ministers that are going to be coming doing that. And then we go on to the worship ministry. And then what we have here. So you have these are these are classes, and so Jamie was stoked, <laughs> and they're like she's been way ahead of this game, and so when they, we brought this idea, she already knew where she was going, and so but you have these are just some of the things that, that are there, but you have heart versus skill. I can you know you know as a pastor you 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 see all these other ministries in working in operation, and how many know you can be in a worship service and and there and there can be a lot of great skill but if there's no heart all you have is a great performance going on, you know but if also at the same time you can have a heart for worship but if you don't have any skill you could have you know thirty minutes of headache <laughs> and so and so you need so we need the balance and all of that but she has down here creating a culture, team assembling leading a team, leading a congregation. And, you know, also the pastoral worship leader um, relationship. And Chris Swanson and Kayla, they're going to be coming in and, and sharing some of their expertise and, and their knowledge in these areas. Then you have the audio-visual. And Gina said, uh, John, the guy knows where he's going. <laughs> he, go, he knows what he's going to do in, in these areas, that he has a plan. And, and so, you know, sound is so important. You know, even the flow of a service. If the sound has trouble during the worship service, you want people trained to know what they're doing. You don't want them to shrug their shoulders like, I don't know what to do next. And the same with the, with the visual. You know, nowadays, with, uh, with churches going live streaming and virtual churches, and so but you want all that done with quality because if people turn it on and, and it's shabby, they're probably not going to stay with you and, and keep watching. I know myself, if I see, if I go on something and it looks kind of hokey, I have a tendency not to want to stay with it. So you want all of that, just a, a vital part of the service. And so some of the classes he has here, he goes, sound system basics, just enough to get into trouble, but not enough to get out. <laughs> Decibel, to DB or not to DB. Here we go. Hertz, the relationship between audio and car rental. <laughs> Soundboard operation. Control is only an illusion. <laughs> Joint worship and audio team lab. Be afraid, be very afraid. 
video and theatrical stage lighting. Sunglasses are mandatory. <laughs> so, so that sounds interesting, doesn't it? it? Sounds good. And so, but like I said, he, he knows where he's going and he, and he knows what he wants to, to, to put in here. But when you think of terms, you know, so the, the person over sound, he can't be in all 24 churches at the same time. And so it may be going running a sound in a church. It may be going setting up a sound, sound system in a church. We're going into one of these churches and doing troubleshooting. So it's all going to be vital. Children's and youth ministry. You know, you can go in, you know, into a church and most people come into church. There can be great preaching. There can be great worship. But they're going to come in and they're going to say, but what about my kids? And so you want to have quality um, ministers there that are, that are trained up. You know, when, when you bring your kids in, they're not, you know, you come into this church, you go into any other churches, they're not there to be babysat, amen? They're there to be ministered to and they're there to be taught. And so with, with Karen and Shiloh, some of the, the courses that they have here is vision and administration, family, special needs, curriculum, Supplementary lesson one, supplementary lessons two, presentations, classroom flow, worship with children, camp and vision outreach. And then we move down, also going to be doing ministry of helps. How many of you know is, you know, ministry helps is a vital part of the church. It, it keeps the church organized. It keeps, you know, when you come through that door. You're, you're what? You're, you're met with greeters. Well, greeters, greeting goes a whole lot more beyond just shaking someone's hand and saying good morning. You want to be, a greeter needs, wants to be in tune to the Holy Ghost and to who's coming through that door. And, and same with ushering. And so, but he has here some of the things he's, he's going to do. What is the ministry of helps? Understanding the ministry of helps. Equipping. How can I be used in the ministry of helps? And then some of the other ones, we're looking at missions. You know, we're, we're to reach the world, amen? I know at a week devoted to God, remember it was on a Friday night, Pastor John had talked about the Lord was speaking to him about Europe. And so this whole vision is, is also uh, going beyond, going beyond the, the valley, but we're also looking at, at reaching the world. And so, but that, things are to be determined there. I know we're looking at Vern and, and, and Wayne and Patty coming in and doing some things on evangelism and outreach. And so there's other, there's other you know, teachers, guest ministers who be looking at coming in and maybe specializing in your areas that can uh, offer some insight. And so, and the advantage of this also is that it's, it's just not a classroom type setting where it's lecture and you take notes and you leave. That there can be interaction in these. And there's going to be like labs, we can call them, where you're going to actually be putting, putting your hands to some of these areas and working in some of these areas. And so, so this is good. And like I said, I know myself, when I, when I went out, it was like, nice when I started up, this, these things would have been so vital to me. And just my, my confidence level and not have to go through the school of hard knots, knocks or just have to figure things out along the way. Amen. All right. Then the last thing we're going to look at is the cost. How many know that if you put money into something, it becomes more valuable to you? Yep. So in talking about this, we um, have a tuition set for $100 for the year. Um, there may be books that um, the different instructors require in their class, and so that would be extra. And then we want you to apply to the school. 
or to the training center. And there's just a simple form that you have to fill out, and I'm going to go through that in just a little bit. So then we want you to submit the application form along with a $50 deposit by Sunday, September 5th. And then the remainder of the, of the tuition is due, which is $50, is due by Thursday, September 23rd. And the training, or the training application form is just very, very simple. It's just your name, address, city, state, zip, phone number, your age, what RVFM um, church do you consider your home church. And then um, listed below are um, the different ministry tracks that we talked about. And so then what we want you to do is you would choose one track that you believe that God's calling you to and that you want to learn in, and you would choose that one track, and you're going to mark that. So if it's the pastor, you just mark that. So you don't have the opportunity to go through all of them, unless you go another year, another year. (laughs) But anyway, so you're going to choose one track. So again, the total cost is $100. $50 is due. The deposit is due with the application form on Sunday, September 5th. The rest of it is due on September 23rd. And you can mail it here to RVFM at the church's address here, RVCC. Or you can bring it into the church office here. And so just in closing, I just want to say this because this was just really on my heart. You know, in my brief time of working with these instructors, I've just been so blessed by their knowledge, enthusiasm, and heart to teach and impart to you. The ministry experience that they have is priceless. And so what an opportunity for you to be trained by them. So we encourage you to be a part of the RVFM Ministry Training Center. Well, everybody take a big, deep breath. That's a lot of information, isn't it? Now you know how my head feels most days. With everything that's going on in the valley, with everything that we're doing, all the different facets, all the different, you know, we're, we're just, at times it can be overwhelming with how much work it's going to take. But that's what's the beauty of this, is it, we have people. God's given us everything we need right now to do what we're doing. We just have to believe that. And we have to walk in it. We have to operate in it. And this is, what, this is the next step. Now, we're learning. We're growing. You know, this, this, this idea is, be, is growing as we move forward. And as we do this, you're going you're gonna to be amazed at how well people can be trained to be able to step into the next role, whatever that is. We sat down before when we had our very first meeting and we went through everybody who's a part of RVFM. We have right now, I believe we have 23 licensed and ordained uh, ministers, ministers within RVFM. Between them and their spouses, give me an idea of how much years of experience those, tw- those 50 people are of, of ministry experience in their lives. Just give me an idea. Well, how many do you think? 800, that's good, yeah, 800, that's good. Not, okay, in between an 800 and two, it's 1,000 years of experience. You're thinking, well, how can that be? Well, Pastor Dan and Claudia, Pastor Dan's been in the ministry over, over 40 years. I've been in, been in the ministry over 35 years, or 35 years in different kinds of ministries. My wife is, when, the, when your wife is with you, they learn some things too. They gain knowledge. When you put all of that information, all that, that experience together, it's amazing what God wants to put into his people. 
and you're learning from some amazing people. So that's coming up. We're going to have a lot more information. You didn't have to absorb it all in the first, the first volley. Amen? Amen? Boy, it's a rough crowd today. <laughs> How about we turn to our Bibles? <laughs> there we go. Finally, finally got to turn your Bibles to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, beginning with verse 13. We've been talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This is the third week, the third installment. Been starting out with John 16 each time, and we're going to con- probably continue to do that. John 16, 13, this is Jesus at the, uh, at the Last Supper. He's talking to his disciples. He is giving them last instructions. If you're doing the two-year Bible reading, you'll notice that was, this is what we read just even this week. John 16, 13 says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. You know what's interesting is, remember what Jesus said over and over again? He says, I don't say anything that I don't hear my Father saying. Isn't that interesting? I don't do anything that I, that I don't see my Father doing. Now he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's, Jesus did his job. He came, he lived, he preached, he taught, he went to the cross, he's going to rise from the dead. He's, this, you know, he's getting ready to do that. And he says this, when the Holy Spirit comes, he is going to take from what he hears of mine and he's going to say it to you. He's not going to say anything outside of what he hears from the Father. The, 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 the God works together, is, is in unity with himself. And he's, he's, there's a purpose and a plan that he's working. And in this, he's talking about that when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to declare things to us. It's going to be very important with what we're going to talk about today. Verse 14, he will glorify me. He will take what is mine and declare to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now go over to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, Paul is writing to the Corinthians, talking about spiritual uh, protocol, spiritual etiquette, how, how church is supposed to be run. Why? Because the Corinthians were kind of wild. They, took, they got into the things of the Spirit, and then they just went, woo, you know, they went nuts. And they started doing all kinds of weird stuff. And he's, he's trying to pull them back a little bit. See, in our world, we've we're, we got to push a little bit. You know, because we're, we've been Christians for so long, we've seen it all, we've done it all, you know, and we've got to push a little bit. And so now, but in here, Paul is trying to pull them back. He's, give, he's giving them instruction of how all this stuff works. 1 Corinthians 12, beginning with verse 1, says, how, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Verse 4, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but in the same, uh, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. I can't possibly go back, talk about what we've talked about in the first two classes, if you, or the first two lessons. If you haven't heard those, go back. One and two talks about the Holy Spirit is going to come. He's going to fill us with power. Why does he fill us with power? Because he wants us to be witnesses. He wants us to, to, to take from what is his and tell the world. 
The Holy Spirit's going to take from what is his and tell it to us, and then we need to take from what, is, what he tells us and tell the world. But we need power to do that. He gives us that power. It's, it's all in the other sermons. You're going to use those. Go back and listen to those again. Verse 7. To each. Everybody say each. What does each mean? Each means all. It means whoever is born again, spirit-filled. To each is given the manifestation. I said I talked about what manifestation was last week. Manifestation means you actually can see it. You can feel it. You can touch it. It's right there. It's it's it is it is out in the open. You know, if 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 there's there, there's we you know we know there's a spiritual world that we can't see, but a manifestation is it comes out into the natural world, the supernatural comes into the natural so each is given a manifestation of the spirit for the common good it's to help people verse 8 for to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by one spirit to another the working of miracles to another prophecy to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each, say each. Why do I keep doing that? Why do I keep pushing that point? Because people want to disqualify themselves from being a part of it. Well, that's just the pastor who does that. That's just the minister. Well, that's just that really spiritual person that I know. They do that. But that's not talking about me. That's not true. It's, it's, that is bad theology. When he says each, he means each. And he doesn't mean when you reach 21. He doesn't mean if you're a man. He doesn't mean if... You have a degree. It doesn't mean, no, when he says each, he says when you get full of God and in you, when you get born again and you're full of the Spirit of God, he gives you power. We have to get that inside of us because the church for too long has been waiting for the pastor to do everything. They've been waiting for the evangelist to do everything. They've been waiting for the teacher to do everything. No, the, the body of Christ has been given power. And when the body of Christ actually moves out and starts to live in that power, look out. That's what this move of God is all about. This move of God is not about me. This move of God is about you. Boy, tough crowd today. <laughs> I know you're listening intently and you're just so enthralled, but give me something every once in a while. No, 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 and it's too late now. <laughs> to each is given. We, the, when Jesus said, you're going you're gonna to go out, he gave it to unlearned men. He didn't give it to Bible theologians. The theologians d disregarded him. They, they rejected him. So he goes, okay. You, wanna, you, you guys don't want to listen to me? I'm going to tell them. And they're going to make you ashamed. God doesn't pick the smartest person in the, in the, in the, in the pot or in the, in the room. He doesn't. He doesn't pick the, the best. He doesn't, you know, I mean, he will pick the best if they'll listen, but most times the people who are the best, they're pretty proud of themselves. And they won't step out. Oh, wait. You mean people, if, if, if you don't step out, it could be about pride? Ooh. 
Well, that's mean, Pastor John. Oh, just wait. <laughs> he expects us to do what he's asked us to do. He didn't pick you because you were perfect. He picked you because you're available. And, you're, and then he's got to, you've got to be willing. You've got to be willing to step out and live this. It, it doesn't matter who you are. He gave you power. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he has given you gifts. Operate in them. Do it. All right. So all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. We talked last week, I gave you real quick, I gave you three headings. Underneath each heading, I talked about three gifts. I'm going to run through those again real quick, just for your notes, in case you didn't take notes last time. The, the, there's the uh, different ministers have broken these into three areas to help us understand them a little bit better, and that's how we're going to deal with them. I took this from uh, The Holy Spirit and His Gifts by Kenneth E. Hagan. A very good book. I encourage you to get it. You can get it on, on uh, pretty much every electronic version. You can still get it in paperback if you're old school. You get, there's lots of ways to get it, but I encourage you to get The Holy Spirit and His Gifts by Kenneth E. Hagan. They, they break it down this way. He broke it down this way. Three revelation gifts. Revelation. Spiritual gifts that reveal something. That shows something. We see that all the way through the Bible. Today when we talk about the word of knowledge, you're gonna, I'll, I'll give examples of where we see it in the Bible. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. This week we're going to talk about the word of knowledge. Next week we're going to talk about discerning of spirits. If you want to have a, you know, hear a cool sermon next week, you want to be here next week, bring a friend, bring an enemy, bring somebody. But discerning of spirits being able to discern the spiritual world what's happening in the spiritual world the next three are the power gifts three power gifts spiritual gifts that do something you see the pattern we have here now first three are spiritual gifts that reveal something this is these are three uh, gifts that do something the gift of faith the working of miracles and the gifts of healings and then the last three, the last, uh, the last section here, the last three, are the three utterance, utterance, big words, speaking, you, you say something, the, or, or inspirational gifts, spiritual gifts that say something, prophecy, diverse or different kinds of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. All right. So this morning we're going to talk about the gift of knowledge. The gift of knowledge, I'm going to give you a definition of the gift of knowledge. It's a really good. I like, the, I like how this is said. I've heard many other people explain it many different ways. This is a very straightforward, no-nonsense definition of the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge is the supernatural revelation by the Holy Ghost of certain facts in the mind of God. Let me say that again. The word of knowledge is the supernatural revelation by the Holy Ghost of certain facts in the mind of God. Remember Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to take from what he uh, is his and he's going to reveal it to us. He's going to tell us things. Not everything that you hear from God is the word of knowledge. But there are times when God wants you to know something that you can't know in your own ability. You need to know something. Now, I'm going to give you all kinds of examples. 
But that just want to get that part down first. It's, it is a supernatural. It's not a natural gift. You know, there's some things you can know. There's some things you can guess. You know, people are, are, can be pretty good at guessing stuff. We're not talking about that. We're, we're talking about knowing something. You, are, you know something because it's revealed by the Holy Spirit certain facts in the mind of God. Some of those facts only God knows. There are times when only God knows something and he wants you to know it because when you know it, you can do something about it however he leads you. So that is the word of knowledge. I'm going to read it one last time, then we're moving on. The word of knowledge is the supernatural revelation by the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, of certain facts in the mind of God. God is all-knowing. He knows everything. He know, he's everywhere. He knows everything. He knows what you're thinking right now, Steve. Da-da-da. He knows it, you know it. He knows what you did yesterday. He knows what he knows what you're going through. He knows how you're struggling. He knows stuff about you. And he knows it. Why? Because he's all-knowing. He's God. He's amazing. He's 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 without limit. And God is all-knowing. He knows everything, but he doesn't reveal everything he knows to us. God doesn't always tell us everything. I wished he did sometimes. And then on other times I'm glad he doesn't. If I would have known four years ago, 2017, what, we, what, what, what life would be right this very second, I don't know that I would have continued. Would have freaked me out. It's good he doesn't tell us everything. He, it's good he tells us a little bit and then a little bit more and a little bit more. Then we can follow him and as we do it, he gives us the ability to do it. Then it's him. He knows everything, but he doesn't reveal everything he knows. He just gives man a word or a part of what he knows when we need it. Now, knowledge, this word of knowledge is supernatural. This is supernatural. It is is not natural. It's not because you go to school and you learn something. You know, you can learn something about God. You can learn something about the word of God. You can hear something from somebody and you know it. And you might think, whoa, God wanted me to know that. That's, that's, ooh, it's it's a word of knowledge because I heard about this about somebody. No, the word of knowledge is... Nobody says anything to you, and you know it because the Spirit of God told it to you. And we'll give examples of it very shortly. Very shortly. These are not natural gifts. The word of knowledge is not a profound knowledge of the Bible. The word of knowledge is not knowledge of God through close communion with him. That's intimacy. The more time you spend with him, the more you know about him. No, this is stuff that he tells you that you wouldn't know any other way. And he doesn't just tell you because he's a gossip. He tells you because he needs you to do something about it. He needs you to know something and to deal with it. All right, here's some examples. Go to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. It's the story of John on Patmos, the island of Patmos. It's where he sees stuff he sees stuff and then he wrote the stuff down revelation chapter 1 verse 10 says i this is john speaking i was in the spirit on the lord's day and i heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches to ephesus and to smyrna and to pergamum and to thyatira and to sardis and to philadelphia and laodicea 
Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a gold sash around his chest. And I can keep reading. John experienced something in the Spirit. He said he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. What is in the Spirit? I'm glad you asked me. In the Spirit means you are having close communion with God. You're in close communion with God. You're praying, you're worshiping, you're spending time. You know, we're right now, we, you could be, possibly, in the Spirit. I know I'm in the Spirit. You're thinking, well, yeah, but I see you in the physical. Yes. But right now, because we're in close communion with God, and I'm listening to God this whole time, I'm, I'm listening and I'm speaking and I'm, I'm in the Spirit. You can be in the Spirit. You could also be in the flesh right now. Meaning, you don't care what I'm saying. You're just, you know, you're thinking about lunch. You could be in the flesh. But he's in the Spirit. What's he doing? He's just, he's just seeking God. He's in communion with God. And while he was in that, not every time you're in the Spirit does something crazy happen, but this time it did, all of a sudden God starts revealing to him the revelation. And he writes it down. He said, he saw this, he saw that, he wrote this down, he wrote that down. He was told not to write the next thing down. It's too big, don't, you don't, just for later, don't worry about it. He saw some, God revealed what was going to happen or what is, was happening in that revelation. That is a word of knowledge. It isn't prophecy, because he's not he, he ends up writing it down, but he wasn't speaking it out to the group. He was getting knowledge from God that he couldn't get naturally. That's one. Next one. Ananias and Paul, Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, 10 through 12. We read this a few weeks ago, talking about Ananias, and this is after Saul or Paul had had the vision on the road to uh, Damascus, and God appears to Ananias. He says, now there was, this is verse, or chapter 9, verse 10, now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision. A word of knowledge could be a vision. It could be. It could be a dream. It could be a, a, a trance. You will see Peter's vision in just a second here. He says he was in a trance, or he fell into a trance. But it doesn't have to be. It can also be as you're just walking through your life, all of a sudden you know something that you can't know naturally and you know it. I'm going to give examples. I keep saying that, but we got to, we're moving. Acts chapter 9, begin with verse 10. Now there was a disciple of Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. Uh, Ananias could not know that naturally. He was somewhere else. And Paul's somewhere else, but God's given him specific information about this man named Paul. And he has seen a vision, a man named Ananias coming in, laying, on, laying his, hand, or lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. And we know that God wanted Ananias to do something. He went there. He said to him, God spoke to me. He told me you were going to be here. I'm going to lay my hands on you. He received his sight. God gave him that knowledge, that understanding, because he needed him to do something. Because he also told Ananias, Paul's going to learn how hard it is to follow me. And Paul needed to know 
that it was God who was doing this. When he came and said, uh, Paul, I just want, or Saul, I just want you to know, God sent me, I'm gonna, I'm, you're going to get healed right now, and here's what else he told me. Paul needed to know, well, okay, that, this whole thing is God. He can't, he can't explain it away from here on out. He needed something solid. When God gives you something, God wants, you know, whatever he asks you to do with that knowledge, it's for a reason. It's to help somebody. It's to help somebody. Because they need to know God cares about this situation. All right, last one is Peter's vision. I'm not going to read the whole thing. We already know this. Peter's up on the roof, falls into a trance, sees a vision of a man named Cornelius. Had no idea who Cornelius was. Had never met, as far as we know, had never met Cornelius. Told him very specific things about him. Why? Because he needed him to go. And he needed this supernatural, Peter needed this supernatural experience so that he knew it's okay to go to to the Gentiles. It had to be significant. It had to be supernatural. So here are three examples in the New Testament where God used the word of knowledge to get information into somebody's hands. It is as the Spirit wills. Right now, I can't sit here and go, tell me something, Lord. Tell me something about Beth. Just tell me, because I want to, I want to, it's going to be cool. No, it isn't, you don't, you, don't, you know, sit there and work it up. Most times, I mean, I, I would have to say every time I've ever had a word of knowledge, I wasn't expecting it. It's just all of a sudden I knew something and I had to deal with it, whatever it is. It's as the Spirit wills. All right. In the Old Testament, Saul and his donkeys. If you remember that story, Saul lost donkeys. He lost his father, or his father lost his donkeys, sent Saul. Saul can't find him. They said, hey, there's a man over here that they say can hear stuff, that knows stuff. So they went and found Samuel. Samuel told them where the donkeys were. Why? Because Samuel stole them? No! Because the Spirit of God told Samuel the donkeys are over there. But it wasn't about the donkeys. He also said, that's not what this is about. This is about Saul. He's going to be king. Here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to tell him. And all the God gave Samuel a word of knowledge to help Saul become king, to move him down that path. All right. Next one in the Old Testament: Elijah and Gehazi. Remember that story? Uh, the Naaman came. It was full of leprosy, and he came and he and he wanted to be healed. And uh, Gehazi went out and met him, and he said, uh, the, "The man of God just told me that you need to dip in the river seven times." And he says, "Why would I do that?" And the, and, and, uh, the Naaman's uh, uh, servant said, "Well, why not? What do you got to lose?" He dipped himself seven times. He came up whole. He was completely healed. He's excited. He wants to give a whole bunch of gifts to Elijah. And, and Elijah says, I don't want that. Don't, it's not about money. Stay away. And so he leaves and Gehazi goes, ooh, money, clothes. So Gehazi sneaks out, goes and says, oh, by the way, Elijah changed his mind. He would take that stuff right over there. He took it, hid it for himself. Hidden. He, was, he did that secretly. He did it all by himself. He comes back to Elijah and Elijah goes, so why in the world did you do that, Gehazi? Gehazi says, what do you mean? What, what, did, why did I do what? He says, don't you know that I went with you? My heart went with you. Did he actually go with him? No, he didn't go physically. In the spirit, God revealed to him what Gehazi was doing. And he goes, this is not about money. You should have, it's not about this. From this day forward, you're going to have that leprosy. 
And that's what happened. All right, word of knowledge. Did Jesus operate in the word of knowledge? Yes, many times. I'm going to show you three real quick. First one, and this is one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. It is. I don't know why it is, but it just every time I read it, I just get happy. All right, so John chapter 1, beginning with verse 45. It's when he called Nathaniel. Remember that story? John chapter 1, verse 45. Philip, one of the disciples, found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So he's basically coming to Nathanael and saying, We found the Christ. We found him. We were, I was with John. Jesus got baptized. All this happened. We found the Christ. Verse 46. I love this. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathanael was just a regular guy. He's like, I don't like people from Nazareth. What good thing comes out of Nazareth? What good thing comes out of Iowa? I mean, you know, I mean. We all know what does, right? Amen. Philip said, come and see. At verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no dissent or deceit, no deceit. The, the uh, King James says guile. What he's basically saying is, this guy's going to tell you the truth every time you ask him. I like this guy. I mean, Jesus, you know, he knows what, what Nathanael just said. He goes, what good thing comes out of Galilee or out of Nazareth? But he, as he's walking up, Jesus goes, I like this guy. If he says it to you, it's the truth. He's going to be honest with you. I like this guy. He likes truth. And Nathanael says, how do you know me? He says, you've never met me. How do you know me? Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? I, wow, I didn't know that. So, there you go. Jesus answered, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. What basically he's saying is, I knew where you were going to be. I knew you were going to be called. I knew what you were going to say. He says, I actually even heard you say it in the Spirit. There are times when, when Jesus knew stuff. We can talk about that all over the place. Remember when, the, when they were trying to test him and when they were trying to trap him? It says that he knew their thoughts. How did he know their thoughts? Because the word of knowledge, God revealed it to him. All right, Jesus and the woman at the well. Remember the woman at the well, he's talking to her, and all of a sudden she's, he goes, go call your husband. She goes, well, I don't have a husband. He goes, you're right, because you know, you've had five husbands, and the one you're living with isn't your husband. And she goes, whoa. Never met her before in his life, but he needed to show her he knew that he was God. He, and it's one of the places where he reveals, where he actually reveals to somebody, I'm the Messiah. Okay? Word of knowledge. And the last one is the fish. Brian's talked many times during the offering where Jesus tells Peter to go down to the fit, down and catch a fish and in, inside the mouth of the fish is a coin. You know, okay, it's a great miracle. It's wild, it's crazy. But number one, how did Jesus know? Why? Because God told him. He says, tell Peter to go do this. Why? Because there's going to be a fish and there's going to be a coin in that fish's mouth and so on. Word of knowledge. All right personal experience. There's been so many times, you know, as a pastor, I have to be in working in this. This has to happen in my life. 
Why? Because there are so many situations. How many, there's 100 people in the room, and then each one of you have children that are over there, and there's all these things that are going on. There's all these, you know, there's four churches and everything else. There's so much information. There's so many things going on. You know, there's nothing worse than getting blindsided. There's times when it's really good to know something ahead of time. And God's always telling me stuff ahead of time. Big stuff, little stuff. I've had God tell me when people were sinning. I could give you specific situations. No, I won't. Why? Because it's not for that. You know that every time God has ever showed me something where somebody was in sin, I mean big, major sin, every time he said, I said, what do I do about this? He says, pray. He's never told me to say a word to anybody who's in sin. Not once. He's told me to pray. He's told me when somebody was going to stop in. I've been in my office and the Holy Spirit says, so don't leave yet. Don't go, don't go home. Somebody's gonna, so-and-so is going to stop in. They're going to be here at such and such a time, so I'll hang out and they'll walk right in the door. Why? Because it's important. What, what, that is, that's the help of how to do that. God's told me where to go and meet people. God's told, I mean, there's, I could just, all day long, I could tell you where that happened over. And is that like, oh, look at me. No, I need help. I need help. You need help. Amen. Each. Thank you. There you go. Each. God will also give you words of knowledge about your children. Hallelujah. I've told this story before, so I can keep telling it over. It's a great story. I was in, I were getting into bed. We had a rule when our kids were small, then when Ethan had, or the kids would get their first uh, cell phone. Here's the deal. When we go to bed, that cell phone's turned off, it's put up on your counter, and that's it. I don't, I don't want you looking at that phone if I'm not around, not in the, you know, so on and so forth. Yes, Dad, we'll never do that, okay? Yeah. One night I went in, tucked the kids in, Ethan's in bed, Tally's in bed, give them hugs, you know, tell them how much I love them. I go back, I get into bed, I'm just laying down in bed, and the Holy Spirit says, Ethan just picked up his phone and is reading his phone, is looking at his phone. I was like, okay. So I walk back in the room, knock on the door, I walk back in the room, and I said, hey, buddy, what you doing? Sleeping. <laughs> I said, no, actually, you're not. You're looking at your phone. Long silence. <laughs> How do you know? I said, because God told me. Pulls down the cover and there's his phone in his hand. Now, why, why would he do that? Because he needs to know that God sees stuff and act right. That you can actually pray. God, show me every time they do something. Don't, don't show anybody else what I do, okay? <laughs> don't show anybody else, but show with your kids. God, so God will help you raise your kids. He'll give you wisdom. There's been times where I, we, the kids came and said, hey, we're going to go do such and such with our friends. And something inside me says, don't let them go. And I said, hey, here's the deal. I'm not, don't go. You're, don't, go do something else. Why? I said, I don't know why. Just the Holy Spirit said, don't go. And they didn't go. Nothing happened. Huh. You could say, well, nothing was going to. Well, okay, let your kids go then. But what was the cool part about it is we've taught our kids to hear the voice of God. And there's been times where they said, hey, I said, why are you home already? Because God said to come home. Okay. Ding, ding, ding. 
hearing the voice of God, giving, having that word of knowledge is to protect us, is to, is to give us help. God uh, has told me things about people when I've witnessed to them. I'll be preaching, I'll be you know, sharing my faith with them, and then God will all of a sudden say, here's what they're thinking right now. Amen. And I'll say, I just want to let you know this is what you're thinking. This is the question you have. They go, how do you know that? I said, because God loves you so much, he let me know. It's a sign to you. I was on the beach one time in, in, on a mission trip in Jamaica. I know, that sounds really tough, but there, you know, send me, Lord, to the islands. But I was ministering, <clears throat> and a Rastafarian walked by. And he wanted to sell me something, so he's trying to sell me this thing and that thing and so on and so forth. And I said, I'm not interested. And the Holy Spirit said, tell him you have something for him. I said, but I've got something for you. And he goes, what's that, man? And I said, Jesus loves you and he wants to, he wants to be Lord of your life. And he goes, oh, I, I, if you know anything about Rastafarians, he goes, I am Jesus. <laughs> and I said, no, you're not. Oh, yes, I am. And he starts going on and on and on about all the, you know, the Rastafarians think they're God. They've been told they're God. So he's going on and on and on. And the Holy Spirit says, tell him that then why do you have this emptiness inside of you that is so big that it hurts? You lay awake at night wondering why you're so empty inside. So I said to him, hey, I said, God just wants me to tell you, if, that, if you're God, then why is there an emptiness inside of you that you lay awake at night wondering why you're so empty? And he just went, completely deflated. And I said, God loves you. You need to repent. You can, he's giving you hope. And the guy rejected it and walked away. As far as I know, maybe he came back later. But God will tell you things ahead of time. We could just go on and on and on. But it's for each. It's for each God will tell you what you need to do. He'll tell you, and you think, well, why would I do that? The only way you know that that's what you're supposed to do is do it. How do I know it's God? How do I know it's not the devil? The devil will never tell you to witness to somebody. <laughs> the devil will never tell you to lay hands on somebody and pray for their healing. God will never, t or the devil will never tell you to do something holy. He will tell you to do something wrong. That's the devil. Word of knowledge. Linda. I don't know about you, but that Holy Spirit stuff is, wow. I like it. Lord, give me more. Show me how to serve you. Hallelujah. Let's just pray a moment, shall we? Father God, we just thank you for the word you gave us today through Pastor John. Help us to be instruments of that word. Help us to yield to you, Father, completely so that we can give you great glory and great praise. And Lord, as I share about the offering, may the words of my mouth be the meditation of your heart, Father. And I just leave it all to you, Jesus. Amen. Now, if you notice that there's tears in my eyes, don't be alarmed, because pretty much every time I pray, I cry. Yeah. And it's all good. The only problem is when you can't see your notes. That's the only problem with it. I'm gonna ask you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 and 21. And you may think this is a strange place to go, but you know, sometimes God leads me to strange places. I've got 2.20. Uh, Wait a minute. 
1 Timothy 2.20. There isn't a 2.20. Let's go to 2 Timothy 2.20. Good job, Linda. Okay. And uh, just another little surprise. Pastor Greg was supposed to print my notes, but I realized this morning when I got here, he wasn't here. So you know what that means, don't you? This is God's wing. Okay. So 1 Timothy 2 says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself of these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Do we want to do any good works for God? Hallelujah. So if we're going to do good works for God, God has to prepare us. And God knows how to prepare us. And we were told to care us, preparation time is never wasted. Never. Okay? I keep thinking, Lord, let's get on with it. And he keeps saying it's still preparation time. So I will be patient. Um, I'm going to skip over one of my scriptures and move on to Mark chapter 4 and verse 8, which says, it's talking about the ground. And other seeds, other seed fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. So one of my questions to you this morning is, what do you want, 60? 30, 100, then you need to choose to be good ground, don't you? And you get to choose. You get to ask God to make you that good ground. And you know what? If you do, he will. Because he wants you to be good ground more than you do. Isn't that amazing? And some of life's choices are really critical. Now, if you haven't read the book of Esther before, I'm going to encourage you this week to read it, because as you, if you have read it, you know that Esther's story was one of a critical nature. If she didn't choose to go before the king, her people would be killed, wouldn't they? But if she chose not to go, what would happen to her people? They'd be killed. So it was kind of a, you better do it no matter what kind of thing, right? And what was the outcome? It was good for her people, wasn't it? And they were saved alive. Hallelujah. Some of our choices might not be life and death, but it was a critical choice for Esther. And we need to choose on purpose to be good ground. And Pastor talked about gifts today. I'm gonna share two examples. One is that of a baseball team which I'm not, you know, super professional at this, but, you know, every team has different players, don't they? Different positions that can be played. Now, probably if you put the pitcher in the outfield, he's not going to be as successful, right? Or if you put the catcher, you know, maybe as the pitcher, that wouldn't work so good, would it? So each has their own situation and their ability to do and to perform. The same thing is true of a cake, If I go to bake a cake, I'm going to put all kinds of ingredients in it, aren't I? I'm going to put some flour and some baking soda, baking powder, and a whole bunch of other things, right? Now, are all those ingredients the same? No, they are not. But 
when you put it all together and bake it in the oven, you get a cake, right? And that's kind of the way we are in the body. We need to each be our own part. Ask God to show you which part are you. Ask God to show you which gift that Pastor John's going to teach about over the next period of time, which one is the main gift that you flow in. Not that you can't do any, all of them, but you usually have some that you're pretty prevalent in, okay? Back to the good ground. You need to choose to be good ground. So this morning, we want to be sure that we give our offering, but my final scripture is in 1 Corinthians 13.3. Now, if you were paying attention last time I shared, you'll already know what that scripture is. How many of you know? 13.3, it says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity or love, it profits me nothing. So today when you give, give your offering in love to God and he will minister back to you because he loves you and he purposes to bless you. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. We ask that the offering that each will give today as they choose or they purpose in their heart that you will honor and bless it. We thank you that you will because that's who you are. You only know how to bless. And Father, we just ask you'll bless us as we leave, as we minister forth your gospel as we share throughout the week. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.